This is episode number 60 with Marie Cosgrove. Welcome to American Snippets, your source for inspirational, motivational, and selfless stories and interviews from exceptional people across the nation. And now, here's your hosts, Barb Allen and Dave Brown. What is going on, everyone? Welcome back to the American Sippets Podcast. My name's Dave Brown. I'm your co-host here, along with my partner, Barbara Allen. We appreciate you being here today and listening in on today's show. Now, a little housekeeping before we get started, before we get on to this week's episode and featured guest. Uh, look, Barb and I love the work that we do here at American Sippets, and our, it's our mission to spread positivity possibility and patriotism across this country to remind people how great this country is and how great the people are that are in it right we don't talk about politics we don't you know do things or discuss things that are divisive that separate us we talk about things that can pull us together right and we talk about positivity possibility and patriotism and if you believe in this mission you support our work as much as we do and you want to do your part to spread the message, then all we ask is that you leave us a review. Leave us a review on iTunes. If you're an Apple user, just head on over to your podcast app and leave us a review on iTunes. Let us know what you think about the show. If not, then subscribe and leave us a review on your favorite podcast app like Spotify or iHeartRadio because you can find us there as well. Look, reviews are such an important piece in getting this message and our stories in front of more listeners. So again, please leave us a review. Tell us what you think of the show, and we would be very grateful if you did. So on to this week's episode and our featured guest. Her name is uh, Marie Cosgrove. And Marie Cosgrove, she had every reason to fail. She had every excuse to quit on her own life, a life that arose out of violence and was raised in trauma. But for every act of man or fate that tried to end her life or keep her down, Marie fought back. Well before her 30th birthday, she'd endured decades of abuse, escaped two violent marriages, and led her four young children into new lives despite the never-ending drumbeat of adversity. Today, Marie is a titan in the same industry she was once warned that she would never succeed in. She became the CEO of a company that once fired her, and she sold a company she created and built into a $14 million business. She's a leader in her own life and an executive director in the John Maxwell team. She's an author and a highly acclaimed speaker. And through her creation of the Virtue Project, she's instrumental in guiding today's youth through their own immense struggles. So drop whatever you're doing and listen in to Marie's incredible story of faith, grit, and hope. Now, without further ado, here is Marie Cosgrove and Barbara Allen. Hi there, and welcome back to another episode of American Snippets. I am your co-host, Barb Allen. 
If anybody knows about defying the odds and overcoming immense adversity, it is today's guest. Marie Cosgrove has been defying the odds literally since the day she was born. She was born against the doctor's advice into a family and a childhood that was marked with both love and trauma. She endured things no child should have to endure and somehow managed to find her way through all that. But when she reached adulthood, instead of her troubles being behind her, they just took on new forms. And Marie went through a whole new set of trauma and adversity that would maybe take down uh, somebody who was not as strong and determined as she is. And now she is using that resilience and that strength. She is become a she is a wife, a mom. She is a huge titan in the world that she was once warned is a man's world only and told that she would never succeed in. She's an entrepreneur, a CEO, an executive director of the John Maxwell team. She's an author, speaker, coach who has shared her insight and knowledge and value, not only with Fortune 500 companies, but countless people around the world. And today she is sharing it with us here on American Snippet. She's squeezing some time to be with us. And we are so honored to have you here today. Marie Cosgrove, thank you so much for being here. Well, thank you for having me. I'm honored to be here. So I feel like the honor is all mine to be here with you. <laughs> That's truly an honor. Perfect. So when we hopped on here to the screen, I right away saw where you are. And that is a huge part of the story. I absolutely want to get to it is like a little bit of triumph. You know, the symbolism of where you're standing is alone, a big symbol of triumph in your life. But if you're okay with it, can we start back at the at the beginning? Um, your story is one that has so much to offer, not only an in inspiration, but in insight and lessons and values for people. We deal with people, we talk to people, interact with people who are so certain that their life circumstances are determining their level of success personally and professionally. And they believe that whatever circumstance they're in is simply too overwhelming and unable to be overcome. But your story, your life is a testament to the exact opposite. So whatever you are comfortable sharing with us, I'm going to ask you. And your childhood, like I had just said, your mom was even advised not to go ahead and, and carry you to full term. Right. So, yeah. So right from the beginning, you you were like, I'm doing yeah. it. My, yes. My, my mother was in a car accident. And so yeah. she suffered severe brain damage. She was in a coma for several months. And the doctor said there was no hope. They wanted to pull the plug on her. And my grandmother, who is my hero, because I wouldn't be here without her, yeah. really fought. And she's like, I don't care whatever it takes you are going to take care of her and she's going to live. And despite the odds, she did live, but she still had brain damage. Mm -hmm. And she uh, was in recovery, learning how to walk, talk, how to do everything all uh -huh. over again. She um, lived up into her 60s. She passed away a few years before my youngest was born. Wow. But she got to meet my oldest four adult children now. And, but she still had severe brain damage and she was raped. And the doctor said there's no way that she could carry this baby to full term because she was on so many medications. And back then she was on psychiatric medications, medications for all kinds of complications that she was having due right. to the accident. And the doctor said there's no way because the baby's going to be born with all kinds of birth defects 
and the shame that's going to come on the family having a baby out of wedlock and then out of rape. That's just too much for someone to handle. And my mom was like, "Uh uh-uh, you're not touching my body. God saved my life. I'm not going to kill another life. This is a life inside of me. I'm not going to take it away after God saved my own life. And the doctors were, well, she's not in her right mind. She's got brain damage. She can't make these decisions. So they went to my grandparents and said, we need a sign. We need wow. to And my grandmother said, I don't care what happens. I'm taking full food. And the doctors yeah. insisted, no, we have to avoid this baby. You're too old. You're not going to be able to take care of this child. The stigma that's going to come with it. And they weren't wealthy either. So yeah. on is so many complications and my grandma says I don't care I don't care if the baby's has complications I don't care if the baby's abnormal I'm going to take care of this child and that's why I'm here wow so my grandmother's and determination yep that is that alone is like you know, a defining story and moment and all that, but it just goes on. Your childhood, you had people you were close to that you lost, you were close to and you lost, and you had experiences that pushed you. I mean, to to picture a child going through, especially as a mother, I think your story really resonated with me a little more because, you know, when you hear of somebody being a child and going through what you went through, are you are you open to talking about that, telling the Sure. Um, yeah, it, it was not easy being, I had great family members that really supported me. And my grandfather was there for me, aunts and uncles, but I had some family members that weren't so kind. So mm-hmm. I went through a lot of physical abuse. Even my mother, she didn't have a moral compass because of the accident. Mm-hmm. So sometimes I experienced things that were really traumatic for a child. A lot of physical abuse, wow. I went to sexual abuse, and so I grew up with a, a lot of insecurities, a lot of feeling of, I, I didn't belong here, I should have never been born, I didn't have a purpose, I didn't have, you know, it was a mistake, you know, I, I should have just, you know, they should have avoided me, wow. when I found out the whole story, that's how I felt, but thank God uh, that I became a Christian, and I came to know God and I came to know that every single one of us has a purpose. Every single one of us has a reason for being here, and every one of us has a talent or a skill or something to give back to society. Even if you don't believe in God, I mean, we're still, if you look at us hum- as human beings, we're God's highest form of creation. We have the ability to create, we have the yeah. ability to design. We have the ability to become, especially in this country, to become whatever we want to become, to build something. And we don't get those, you know, we're very blessed that we have these opportunities here in the United States that a lot of countries don't have. But even being alive, if you just look around you, we have capabilities that animals don't have of creating, Mm -hmm. of, you know, being creative, of designing, of building. And so just looking around you, you know that every single one of us has a new purpose in life. Yeah, hugely important lesson. So I'm glad that you I'm glad that you shared that and you shared that there is a way because right there, there are a lot of people who go through a lot of things, especially at a young age. And I think I, I 
I don't, you know, you meet some people and some parts of the story really resonate with you personally. I feel like there's so many parts of your story that get to me too. I was that little girl, went through nothing like you went through and just what I went through, like literally tormented by a bunch of other young girls for years it went on. And that alone pale to what you went through, but that was enough to make me in seventh grade, I was genuinely suicidal. And I speak to people now who go through that or have children who go through that. And so this is why I asked you that story, because I think it's one thing for people to say to someone, hey, you can get through this. But when they see somebody and hear from somebody who's gone through that, and that I think has more power than than just being told, hey, you can do it. You know, you're living proof. And if this person can do it, that person can do it. I can too. And then so I saw in one interview and read uh, some inf- you know, one of your stories uh, where, you know, you talked about how coming through that you were still strong and there and, and all that, but you also had that low self-esteem, which made you sort of vulnerable to somebody else to enter your life, which is something else that so many of us uh, can relate to and the power of your mindset and how you see yourself and what you allow into your life. Are you game to talk a little bit about that? Sure, absolutely. So yes, I did have low self-esteem, even though I had become a Christian, it was a process for me. I still that had that limiting belief that I wasn't worthy. And that low self-esteem attracted toxic relationships. And I was in a domestic violence um, situation where um, my life was at risk and I dad lost parental rights. And I keep, Mm -hmm. I, I repeated that cycle. And I ended up, by the time I was 27, I was divorced twice, four kids, and both dads lost parental rights, the one to the one child and and the first one to the three children we had together. And I didn't come to that realization until a lot later, um, where that was coming from and, and why, when I evaluated, why did I make those decisions? How did I end up in these relationships? And I always thought, blamed it on bad luck. But looking mm-hmm. back at it, I didn't have the courage to, this isn't a good relationship for me. If someone around me said, no, this is good. You know, you need this. And I just had this belief that well, no one else is going to love me. I mean, I came from rape and they would remind me, nobody yeah. would have married you. Look at your background. We yeah. want to marry you. And I believed that. Yeah. And I believed that lie because it doesn't matter where you come from. You are valuable. You have work you have value doesn't matter where you came from or where you've been i don't care you've gone you're going through hard times now tomorrow is a completely new day yeah and it doesn't matter your age you can redesign your life yeah so so important um so many people that i know and i you know i fell into that trap myself it is amazing what your own self-image can do when you feel like you're not worthy. It's like somehow it's like those sharks in the water. They sniff it and they just come right in and they prey on you and do things. And do you know, was there one defining moment for you where you said, because I'm even going to backtrack. You didn't have like a big college degree or anything, but at that point you were already working for a fortune 500 company. So in the middle of all of this, going through all of that and, you know, with these relationships and getting out and going through that and having children you managed to get yourself into a Fortune 500 company and work there. How did you do that? Well, <laughs> I was a hard worker. I didn't, yeah. I didn't have a choice. In high school, I was told, you're too dumb to go to college. You'll never get there. And there's no one who's going to pay for it. Oh Can't get a shot. 
So I had to start working really young. So I started working really young. I knew computer programming and I was, I took risks. When I remember when I was in high school, I walked into a commercial printing shop and I thought, well, I know computer programming. And I said, can I work in your graphic design? And they said, well, do you know the code? Oh yeah, sure. I know the code. So I went in and the lady says, we're going to test you tomorrow. I said, can I look at the code? Yeah. She made me a copy. I studied that code. Oh my gosh. I went, I did the code. I'm like, yeah, I know this stuff. And I got the job. Wow. I, I felt like I didn't have another way. I had to do it. And from that, I got into marketing. And so here I was doing, um, from that job, I got a job in banking and marketing. I became the marketing director VP over marketing for a bank. And then from there, I went to USAA, which is a Fortune 500 company managing a $400 million marketing budget. Oh my and gosh. You have to have a degree. But you don't have one, so just don't tell anyone in so, your department <laughs> that you have, you don't have one, so we'll pay for your college. And I didn't get to finish because I had those personal situations yeah. home that forced me to leave because I had to take care of my kids. I had two that had serious health conditions, and that took up like twenty, you know, twenty hours a week yeah. or more. So I couldn't hold down a forty-hour. No, and you're exhausted. And so for all the moms out there, all the moms out there, I think are already like, Oh, my God, this woman, how does she do it? But then take the single moms out there, you know, I've walked that. And so, you know, I have four children, I've been on my own with the kids, I know how hard it is. And I know how hard I pushed myself. So right there is enough. um, How you found the energy to do that. I just applaud it so much. And I, and I say that knowing it wasn't easy, right? It's not like you're the, you are this superhero, right? It's, it's the grill, the grit and determination that people need to tap into. And so I'm going to keep harping on this because it's so important. I feel like if I'd come across someone like you years ago, when I was going through what I had gone through, it would have like kind of boosted me a little. And I know so many people who are now in that spot. So I want to keep taking the time to point out to them. So they hear this message over and over and over that, it is not a hopeless situation. And when you're torn between your children at home and your work, it's emotional. It's hard, right? And so, I mean, how did you do that? How did you talk to yourself and kind of like steal yourself to say, look, I have these kids at home, but I also have to work and, and stay committed to working when it's so tempting to just go back and spend all that time with your kids who need you? Right. I, I did compartmentalization very well. Yeah. Because I was at work, I was at work and I focused on work. And there were times when I would bring my kids with me to work. Okay. And my kids, even now in this business, they've always been <laughs> coming with me to the office. Great. And I, you know, that's how I had to do it. If there were deadlines and my boss is really good at understanding okay. my situation. And I remember coming to her and she knew I was a a hard worker. And I'd say, you know, I need to spend some time with the kids. Can I come in this afternoon? No, I'll be here. I'll bring my kids with me. So I bring my kids in and and we'd work till midnight and they'd be sleeping on the floor by my office. And I had to do, you know, I had to do that. But a lot of times we're afraid to ask. Because we're afraid they're going to say no or we're Mm -hmm. afraid of what's going to happen. And I would just tell myself, what's the worst thing that can happen? They're going to say no. And I'm yeah. like, okay, and I'll figure something else out. So yeah, you don't get what you don't ask for. Yeah, Exactly. So we need to learn to ask for help when we need it. 
another huge lesson. Do you think also that was good for your kids to kind of see, look, mom is, I mean, what a good example you set, right? Like mom is working and this is what she does. And um, do you, I, I think that must have set just such a great example and a great template for them to follow in their own lives. Like, look, this is hard, but this is what we have to do. And we're doing it. And we're doing it as a family. And so in the middle of all that, it may seem like difficult times, you manage to turn it into something like, you know, positive for the kids and to say, right. this is how we're doing it. Great, great, great. So moving forward, you then wound up having to leave that job. And I love when I heard this part too, how you had to find that career that would allow you to be flexible and take care of your children when you got out of that relationship and you went into sales, but you had to learn how to translate your fortune 500 company experience. Wasn't good enough for that sales company. (laughs) They they were like, yeah, no, I'm sorry. That's just not okay. So you had a, and I'm going to say this, I don't know if this is how it was, but to me, it was almost like you had to dumb down your experience to fit into like what they, because you had really had experience that far surpassed what they needed, but they just didn't understand that. So you had to translate that into a language that they could understand. And that still wasn't good enough. Can you tell that, yeah. Tell us a little bit about how you went about it. I love this. I love the just the tenacity here. Yes. It, yeah, it, it was tough because this is medical device industry. And this was back yeah. you know, 20 years ago. So it is still sort of male dominated, but it was even more so back then. Yeah. So I remember I went into the interview and I'm showing in my portfolio, look, I've done this, ABT, FedEx, Sprint. And they're like looking at me like, so that's, that's not sales. I'm like, what do you mean that's not sales? I have to sell them ideas on yeah. how to spend $400 million. That is sales. Yeah. And they're like, nope, 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 that's not sales. And finally, I convinced the guy to let me speak with a boss. And then I finally got an opportunity to go to training if I paid my own way. So Jeez. I went to training. I'm in a room full of male executives. Uh-huh all white. I'm the only minority, the only female. And I did really well. So I thought, okay, I got this. I got a hundred and all the tests. I got this. Last day, the owner comes up to me, points his finger at me. He's like, oh my no, God. Girl, just go home. The most you're going to sell is candy with your little girl. Oh my you're God. <laughs> and I was like, like, just give me 30 days. Give me a contract, straight commission. And if I don't sell anything, then you can cancel my contract. You have nothing to lose. And he just laughed at me. He's just like, yeah, whatever. Yeah. And so I went back home. And unfortunately, uh, my grandfather was diagnosed with leukemia. And my grandfather played a big part in mm-hmm. raising me. And if it wasn't for him, I'd really be in a loony house because it's all the trauma that I went through. Yeah. He was the stable man in my life that he was just so good. And I spent most of the you know, three weeks with him until he passed away at the hospital. And then I got a call from the owner and he says, little girl, we're canceling your contract. <laughs> little girl. Yep. <laughs> oh my That's God. What they put me. Oh <laughs> man. Girl. Yes. And I said, I still got one week left. And he's like, one week. Yeah. Right. And he just laughed and hung up on me. But that week, I called on so many doctor's offices and, that that last day, I made a sale and I did over one hundred and fifty thousand dollars on in sales. Yeah, 
So I met the quota and he didn't believe me. He's like, haha, let's see if this check clears. And it did. Within six months, I was the number one national sales representative in the company. Crazy. So, I mean, there again was another opportunity. I don't know if, if I was spoken to in that way. I, I think I, I might have just at some point in my life, at that point in my life, I may have just said he's right and walked away like horrified and embarrassed, you know, but for you to kind of stand up for yourself there and and do that and then f- go through your grandfather there. I mean, that's difficult. I mean, very, very difficult to go through and still raising your children. And now you manage to exceed the quota and you're in. So you would think maybe now, maybe now you can take a deep breath. Maybe now everything is behind you. Maybe now we're moving forward. I'm in, I fought, I won, I can rest and enjoy my life and take care of my children, right? It's going to be easy now. Right. It's not necessarily how it went. No. No. It wasn't. I was in the industry now and... I actually went through what I'm going to go explain right now twice because I ended up this company I was working for. They were distributors of major medical device equipment and they lost a big contract. So I got a fact saying you can't sell this equipment anymore, but you can come sell with us directly. And I said, well, I, I can't really do that because I have a contract. And mm-hmm. the owner called me and says, we'll sue you. Well, I'm a single mom with four kids. I can't afford to get sued. See you guys later. I'll sell something else. Yeah. So then I found Balance Back. And I said, can I sell for you? And they, the same thing. They look at me like, no, you can't sell for us. <laughs> Who oh are God. you? And I went over there. I showed them what I had done. I gave them my client list. And I said, look, I have relationships. I can do this. They gave me an opportunity. And I became the number one national sales representative. And then I get a call from one of the owners. And he says, we're really proud of what you're doing. We're going to meet you out for lunch, take you out to lunch. In Austin, I remember it was in Austin, Texas. (laughs) And I was living in McAllen at this time. So I'm thinking, I'm getting a big promotion. I'm excited. Something big is going to happen. And I get there. This is, you know, this is great. I wonder what's coming. We know what's next. Oh, my gosh. And he says, or, you know, we're proud of you. You're doing great in sales. And um, but we're going to move you from commission only to salary, $150,000 a year. Oh, my gosh. And I thought, well, it sounds great. But problem was I was making $80,000 a month. Wow. Almost $840,000 a year. Oh, my gosh. So we're going to take me from eight hundred. You know, almost a million to 150000 a year. It's like, okay, I can't do this. This makes no sense. And I have four kids. I'm a single mom. I've got these medical. And, and I would travel with them. With, and it was my own expense. I had to put them all on the plane with me wow. and travel to the United States, et cetera. Well, they said, well, then you can't sell for us and you're fired. So oh I gosh. went from almost a million to zero, zilch, nothing. And then over I lunch. Yes, yeah. over lunch, which I thought was a promotion. <laughs> oh, that's so <laughs> awful. Yeah. Oh, yeah, man. it was awful. And, and you know, I had the over $10,000 worth of medical bills that I had to pay every month because of my kids. Ah. But I started another business. And it wasn't easy. I mean, it took me, you know, over a year before we made any profit, but I turned it into a $14 million business. Crazy. So that's what I want to talk about too. You also created another medical device on your own. So yes. I, I mean, how how did you even know how to do how, how did you know how to do that? 
<laughs> well, I didn't. I was crazy. <laughs> Everybody told me I was, but yeah. I saw that there was a need for a certain type of test. And okay. I had developed relationships with clinicians. And so I worked with them. I said, why don't we bring this product to market? And I built relationships with different en- engineers and I hired an engineer to develop this product. We went through the FDA clearance process, which is really, really tough. And I wouldn't do it again today. That's, that's how yeah. crazy how, it was. Awful, yeah. And I was passionate about it. And that's yeah. the one thing. If you have passion for something, go for it. Yeah. And it, it won't be easy, but the passion will drive you through. And when that business became very successful, and I sold that yeah. one already, but just last year, but Balance Back called me and they said, yeah. We are interested in you investing in our company. And now this is the company that fired you over lunch. Yes. 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 It's an yes. important part. Yes. And yes. instead of doing, I think, what 90% of us mortals would do and tell them where they could take that offer and stick it, right? You said, let me consider it. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I said, yeah, there's opportunity everywhere. Yes. Even a bad situation or a negative situation. And there's... I believe miracles Love happen it. every day. Yeah. We miss them because we're not, we don't keep our eyes open. We just look at the Love negative. It. Oh my goodness, this happened. And I could have said, oh, they fired me. Oh, you know, and be bitter. I could have probably sued them. I could have done so much, but I'm just like, okay, life goes on. Let's move forward. Yeah. And I came today in Ohio to look at the books and I saw that I had done over 80% of the sales. And I said, well, I don't want to invest. I want to buy the company. Yeah. And that's how that happened. And I bought the company and it was hard because everybody was saying in the industry, yeah. this little girl is going to fail. She's going to bankrupt okay. herself. She's going to bankrupt the company. She's not going to make it in six months. She'll be gone. And, you know, they wouldn't even tell doctors, don't buy that equipment because what? eight years later, we're still here. Wow. National. So what do you think that's born from that, all that attitude and kind of that dirty talk behind your back? Like, where do you, I mean, cause they, you, you think they had to have known that wasn't true. They, they knew you, they knew your record. So they knew it wasn't true. So, I mean, where do you think that that comes from that space that people feel the I, need to do that? It is, is fear, um, maybe a little bit of envy and just infighting. I've seen so many other business owners and get involved in lawsuits because they want to take somebody else down. Instead of building your business and reinvesting in yourself, companies are busy. What are they doing? What's my competitor doing? And I've been really shocked by it because it happens even in industries you would never imagine. I have a friend of mine who has a plastic surgery center. And Mm -hmm. I was telling him, we need to do this for your marketing, da, 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 da. So he starts doing this, but... I said, you know what you should do is you should teach your system to other doctors so they can be successful because it's so powerful. Oh, yeah. no, I don't want anybody else to have it because they'll become my competitors. I want to keep it mine. And I'm like, there's yeah. enough for everybody. Yeah. And it's, if you operate out of fear, you're going to limit yourself. And then so he, after doing some coaching, he started doing that. So now he makes more money teaching yeah. others how to make money and how to be successful then he, he would have made just staying by himself and keeping his trade secrets. Yeah. So, and yeah. I, yeah, that can seem kind of counterintuitive sometimes to people. It's hard sometimes to kind of, it's like taking that leap of faith where you think, look, this doesn't make sense. But it is true if you 
turn your life and your work, if you focus on adding value and giving more, even though it may not immediately that moment come back to you, in the end, it 100% just manifests itself into something greater than you ever would have been had you not done that. And that's, uh, do you do you teach people that now? You are now a CEO, I mean, an executive director as well at the John Maxwell company. Yes. Right. So how did, A, how did that come about? And B, is are those concepts, the things we just discussed, things that you now teach to those clients that come in through through there? Yes, absolutely. I joined the John Maxwell team. It's a leadership group. It's a group of coaches and mentors. But there's also a lot of entrepreneurs and business owners that join so that they can bring leadership values and these teachings into their corporations. And here I am, owner of a company with doctors and engineers as my employees. I, I wanted to bring this to them to make our company better, stronger, you know, value-based company. Yeah. And I have seen the transformation with me, within, with my team, that I wanted to take it to others. And when others ask me, can you help me? Can you help me do what you've done for yourself or other companies you've worked for and for your companies? Yeah. I'm sure. And so now I do coaching and mentoring as well because wow. I know that it works and it is so powerful. Absolutely. Yeah. So is there... <laughs> In terms of dealing, we'll take it into twofold, in terms of dealing with companies and then in terms of dealing with individuals. Do you find that there's any one or a pattern of things that are you know, a familiar or an overlying pattern of things that are common in everybody who gets stuck and who can't get past a certain issue? Are there, are there certain traits that allow some companies to kind of rise past those traits and become stronger or individuals and certain things that they come to you to help find their way past? Yes, absolutely. So we're talking about what I heard you say is about maybe something that prevents someone from moving yeah. forward when yeah. they're stuck. Yeah. Absolutely. Some of those those traits are fear, afraid of failure, afraid of what others may think, afraid of not making it, afraid of taking a risk. Mm-hmm. Um, also, well, if I do this, maybe somebody else will copy my idea, which is kind of silly because then you're not getting it out into yeah. the world, right? Right. Um, so those are some common traits that I see. But some of the traits that I see with people who are successful is they don't, they look at possibility in every situation. They look mm-hmm. at opportunity in every situation. Their bank account may be negative, but they're like, okay, I know I'm going to make it. I'm going to get past through this. And they get past through it. And yeah. they do become successful. And I've never met a single successful person that hasn't had those challenges, yeah. that hasn't gone through a bankruptcy or hasn't gone through, um, you know, nobody's ever had it easy. Even right. Donald Trump, you know, everybody's like, well, he was born with, you know, $14 million inheritance or whatever. Right, right, right. He still went through bankruptcy. He still had, and he's still hated by most Americans. I mean, can you imagine when ninety percent of the news is attacking you? Yeah, day, that can't be easy. So everybody has challenges. Every yeah. person does. Great, great. Um, so we talk a lot here about the American dream. American snippets. We are all about the American dream, and we believe part of why we started it. This 
work that we're doing is because we got tired of what seemed like a campaign against the American dream, telling telling the whole country why the American dream is dead, why we'll never succeed, why our country is doomed. And for someone, for me personally, coming through what I came through in my own life to try to build myself up, just to hear constantly that I'll never make it, that our country that my husband died for is doomed, offend, you know, took, you know, took, took, a place in my heart and I decided, you know, we're going to do our part about it. So now we like to ask people as part of our program to remind our audience and remind sometimes our guests about it too. When we talk about the American dream, if I ask you, if I say, Marie, what, what would your definition, what does the American dream mean to you? To me, the American dream means that we have the freedom to build whatever we want to build, work for it, believe in the world, educate yourselves. If you want to educate yourself, if you want to, go to college you can do it anything is possible in this country there and it doesn't matter your race your skin color your male or female look at me everybody told me i would never make it in a male dominated industry here i am Crazy. <laughs> it's possible yeah so it, it definitely is possible of course there's challenges there's no system that is perfect we don't have a perfect system and and i'm not going to pretend that we do but i believe that we have a very good system there is absolutely no law preventing you from um, making your dream happen. So yeah. I mean, because I started my business, when I got fired, I couldn't get a bank loan because I was, I had zero income. Yeah. So who's going to lend me any money? Nobody. No one. So no, no lending, no backers, no investment. I had to start from the bottom. And if, if I could do it, you know, anybody can do it. Perfect. Perfect. And so you now also... You give back through a nonprofit as well. And I saw that and I thought that was another just exceptionally special layer to your story and to your life. Can you tell us about that nonprofit and the work you do? Yes, it's called the Virtue Project. And what we do is we educate students in, in the inner city who have had difficult upbringing, challenges in their lives. And we educate them on entrepreneurship, values, character building. We also hook them up with other business owners to do internships. Even in my company, I'll bring some in. Um, I brought in people that are interested in doing marketing or they want to do engineering. And they want to pursue that in college and bring them in and they get to work. And we try to build also some profit sharing opportunities for them so that they get to experience what it's like to be an entrepreneur, what it's like to build your own business. And we provide all the books, all the educational materials. We also invest in other coaches so that they can go out and train and and duplicate the work. Wow. And so where does the funding for that come from? The funding comes in through donors, Right now, a lot of it comes from us, from our company. We donate a lot, as well as friends, other business owners within the community that donate. So it's like a grassroots right now. Yes. But it has, do you get to see firsthand some of the impact on the people who come through that program? Oh, absolutely. We work with a school called Mount Academy. We donated all all of the books of values-based program. It was very simple. We And it's Based on the model that we did with John Maxwell, we went to Paraguay and Costa Rica. It's a values-based model. It's a roundtable method. And we did this with a school. And these kids 
they have no parents or parents are in jail or orphans or they're raised by their grandma and they've been through the worst of the worst. It's like our stories combined times 20. It's like really bad where they've seen their mom overdose overdose and and die in front of them and things like that. Oh my gosh. So so these are, this is, and and Dane, Ohio has the number one heroin epidemic in the nation. We're number one or number two. We're close to Atlanta with sex trafficking, human sex trafficking. It's really bad. So these kids come in and they've got attitude with their chains and they're gangsters. And, you know, they walk in with this attitude. By the end of the six-week program, completely different. I had a kid who wrote me a letter saying that he no longer hits his mom. He no longer yells at her. He respects her now after going through the program. And it's simple things wow. like, you know, honesty, we're going over the value of honesty. It's not, yeah. it's not pushing a religion or anything because everybody, I don't care if you're a Buddhist or Muslim or Christian, everybody agrees that honesty is a very good value. To yeah, have yeah, yeah, yeah. And this girl, she was like, wow, I wish they had taught me this. If I learned this when I was younger, this would have really helped me. And for me, it's like, well, I grew up, my grandfather taught me these values, yeah. but some of these kids have never heard of them. And so it's really a powerful program because they work on this on a daily basis. Like what's, what, what's the one small step you're going to take today to improve on this stuff? Just one thing. And it can be something simple. Like I'm going to help my mom wash the dishes. And so then when they get back together, like what did you do to improve and how did you improve it? And these little small actionable steps, they're habits. So you develop habits and, it's these little habits that lead to success. So after we did this program for the you know first two years, now we at the last graduation ceremony that I went to, they said they had the largest graduating class they've uh-huh. ever had. And we had a lot of students coming through that were absolutely not interested in school. This is a second chance school. This is where they've been kicked out of the regular school. And more than likely, they're going to end up in prison or in jail. Yeah. From school. That's the statistics. These kids have so many that were going to become doctors, engineers. Wow. A student was going to be a psychiatrist and a psychologist because they had gone through so much trauma. And now they want to help others. So the program is so valuable. And the administrators were so impressed that they said, we want to get certified because we want to do this within our school. We're going to get with all the students because they, I went to the school district and they started with a, well, we're going to give you the worst school. And you've got a, the worst class and it's going to be a small group. <laughs> when they saw the results, now they're like, well, we're all going to do this now. So that is, cool. that is amazing. And yes. what a, what a gift to be able to have that kind of impact on actual lives. You know, to, to say the phrase, like you're changing lives can sound cliche and cheesy and it's absolutely overused. But I think in this instance, even if you're not changing lives, you're helping change the trajectory of these kids' lives into what is going to be just a full potential uh, arena, whereas before they had none. That I think out of all the things that maybe anyone can do in a corporate world or a business world, I think maybe that kind of surpasses it because that's really... The point of us all being here, I think, is to you know find our gifts and apply them to other people and and help them use them. So hats off to you for that. Maybe that has something to do also with an award. I see you're up for you're up for a golden yes. rule award. 
Yes, yes. You want to talk a little bit about that? I'll ask you one last question and I'll let you go. There's just so much here. I had to try to get everything in because you're just fascinating. Thank you. So I'm really honored to get that award. nominated by Dr. Ruben West and he's been an amazing mentor to me. And so yeah. I take the word and it's for people, entrepreneurs who have actually made some change in their business and in their personal lives, in their communities and yeah. in the nation, in, in different various nations. And so I'm really honored to to get that award. Awesome. Awesome. So you have one book that's already out and then you have another book that is about to come out. Yes. Where you want to touch quickly on what those books are, where people can get them so that we can send them that way. Sure. Um, my website, uh, mariecosgrove.com. It is down right now, but it'll be up tomorrow. Perfect. <laughs> but um, mariecosgrove.com. I'm on Facebook and I will have my books up on Amazon. I know I do have the You Are Unstoppable book on Amazon right now. Perfect. And you can also get it from directly from me as well. And my next book will be out by the end of December. And I will have that posted on my Facebook page as well and on my website. That was a lot of work. So I'm going to say I love to do this because I feel so blessed to meet the people that we get to meet through American Snippets, but I especially love getting to speak with people who have books out and have something because that's after my own heart. So I'm going to put this out there as well, like I like to do for anybody that wants to leave a comment or direct message me, tell me something about Marie's story that has moved you or impacted you today. I'm going to go ahead and get one of your her books and send them right to you. So if somebody wants to reach out, let us know what what they liked about your story, Marie, I'll, uh, I'll send them one of their, one of your books of their choice. And hopefully, you know, we'll, we'll spread it out that way as well. But I always love to get people more involved with our guests and follow up on their stories. I don't want this to be a one hit wonder for them. I want them to stay in touch with you, follow you. I would encourage anybody out there to continue to follow Marie on Instagram, right? You're out there, you're out on Facebook, your website, the power of proximity, who you surround yourself with, the things that you allow to filter into your life, I promise you makes a huge difference. And Marie is definitely on the list of people that will absolutely have an impact on your life if you choose to let her. Marie, one last question. If I could say to you today, I'm going to call somebody up for you. And you've met a lot of people, so this is going to be a hard one for you. But it has to be somebody you've never met somebody who's still alive that you've never met and you could spend an entire day with and speak to them, get to know them, share some insight, swap some insight. Who would that be? I know this sounds, this is going to be really weird because it's not a female. No, that's okay. <laughs> and it, it's someone that's, that is kind of, some people either hate him or love him. Here's I have some. to love him Sylvester Stallone because he has oh, such an amazing story. There you go. Where he came from and, and, you know, I love his story of getting rocky, you know, the challenges. Isn't that a crazy story? I love it. I love it. I love how he got his dog back too at the end. I just got, I have to meet him. All right. All right. You know what? I kind of think that you could, I mean, there's no reason why you couldn't meet Sylvester Stallone, but, um, yeah, great. Marie, thank you so, so much for being with us today, for taking the time to let us be a part of sharing your story. I really, really appreciate it. I love the opportunity to to get to know you a little bit. And your story has already impacted me. And I've taken away lessons from it that I am already applying in my own life just when I was researching you, finding out about you. And now I get to write about you. So it's going to be even better. And I can't wait to hear what our audience uh, you know, gets out of this as well. Thank you so much for being with us. Thank you. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. 
What's up, everyone? Dave Brown here again. Thank you so much for listening in to today's show with Marie Cosgrove. Uh, Today's episode is brought to you by Real Estate Worldwide. Uh, Real estate is one of the best ways to achieve the American dream, but the key is having the right blueprint. My friend and mentor, Kent Clothier, provides just that through what he calls the Real Estate Worldwide Wholesaling Academy. In fact, Kent and I put together a training where we explain what the opportunity in real estate is today and how you can profit from it uh, part-time or uh, full-time. doesn't matter, or you could just do it as a side hustle. But we show you exactly what you need to know, and you can learn about that over at americansnippets.com forward slash R-E-W-W to learn more. Uh, I'd like to personally thank Marie Cosgrove for being on today's show. She has such, that was such a powerful episode. She's an incredible woman, uh, very inspirational, and you're going to definitely want to follow her and learn more about what she's doing. Uh, We put together a full featured piece, an article on Marie uh, over on americansnippets.com forward slash 060. You can see the article, watch the video in its entirety, and also learn about uh, how you can follow her. So we'll provide the social media links there, her website, everything else at americansnippets.com forward slash 060. Again, we appreciate you being on the show today. Please leave us a review. Let us know what you thought about this episode. Uh, Share it on social media. You can find us on Instagram, Facebook, at American Snippets. Uh, Remember, don't just be inspired by our guests. Let their stories propel you into action in your own life. Now go out there and show the world how exceptional you truly are. We'll see you next time. 